Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajasad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and you can find Ben's work all over the internet. In fact, I'm going to ask him to plug a couple of his recent publications that he's written for. Go for it, Ben. You can find my work at Motor Trend, Automobile Magazine, The Drive, and Driving Line. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca as well as Nouveau Magazine. Ben, I want to talk about um, some sport trucks. Have you, like, the idea of a sport truck, I don't know if it's modern or if it's an old school idea. And I can't ever feel like these are, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Successful ideas. Is it possible to make a cool sports truck there like were- that actually is a sporty truck? Like, okay, what first is that? Of all, yeah, there were a lot of cool sport trucks. There was the SVT Lightning, which was awesome. And then there was the SRT Ram, which was awesome. But that had 500 horsepower. Uh, but okay. in, in the modern period, no one's building yeah. sport trucks anymore. Everyone has shifted to off-road as if you have a pickup, it has to do cool stuff off road, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No one, no one cares about anything else. So we have Raptors. We and have I think that's more Raptor. appropriate. Sorry, I need to, I need to, I need to ju- jump in here. I think that's more appropriate. Why is it more appropriate, Savvy? Because pickup trucks are not meant like. First of all, pickup trucks are huge. In order to create a very good performance car, um, I think lightweight ability is is especially when it come, if you're looking for speed and handling. The weight of the vehicles plays a very important part. What, so, about, that, what about the Hellcat? What about the Porsche Mission E or whatever it's called? The the, the Taycan. The Taycan weighs like seventy five thousand pounds. Is that the accurate number? <laughs> yeah, something. I'm looking at our that. fact checker. No, it's something like six thousand pounds. But it I weighs mean, as those... much as a Grand Cherokee. Yes. Okay. And. And I don't think the Taycan is particularly meant to be a performance vehicle. It's supposed to be an electric vehicle. Well, if it's not meant that... to be a performance vehicle, Porsche dropped the ball because they sacrificed range for performance. That's what they say. Um, it, it but is, then when it, it comes to trucks, trucks like, you know, if there's a place they can be athletic, it could that like that makes sense for it to be off-road. I well, I, I don't I mean off-road. <laughs> Are you okay? I had a stroke and I'm back. Off-road doesn't necessarily mean what the Raptor wants you to think it means, which is like driving over dunes and blasting through. But there are no roads there, therefore it's off-road. Yes, but a lot of off-road fun happens at very low speeds and very tight circumstances, which is why I don't – first of all, pickups aren't the best choice for off-road anyway because they typically have a long wheelbase. Right. And they're they're wide and big and huge and all the things you just mentioned. But if you want to go to a drag strip and just have fun in a straight line, I'd like to be able to do that in a truck. So – why not? Because it's the truck I need every day for work, and I also want it to be fun. Okay. So anyway. All right, I'll stop grilling you on this. <laughs> there are there are no. Comfortable. I think you're sweating. I'm always sweating during these podcasts. Oh yeah. There are no actual sport trucks on the market today, really. Uh, but it used to be that you could build like stealth sport trucks. Like you get a short box truck that had a big engine and two wheel drive, and it would be pretty fast. So we kind of looked at. We're like, okay, Sammy and I. We're trying to figure out which truck companies are still offering something fast, which ones are still offering this kind of under-the-radar sport truck. The answer is no one really. No. <laughs> but we did but there come are up... some interesting – yeah, there yeah, are the... some interesting combinations that you can get. Can I point out my favorite of all of the ones that we've we've found here? Sure. It's this uh, single-cab Titan. Okay. 
the Titan SV, you get the single cab um, Nissan Titan, and you get that sweet, uh, I think it's a 5 liter, 5.6 liter V8, makes 390 horsepower, and bam, you got the one hell of a sport truck right there. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and, and, and it comes with nothing else. Like, it has no it's special so bear. gear. It's yeah. bare bones. Um, there's no upgraded suspension or anything. But not every company lets you take the top tier engine and put it in a single cab truck. Uh, especially when, um, especially, excuse me, when you're a company like Nissan that only has one engine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes they have it a one lot engine easier. for all of their cars. It makes, I mean, yeah, the Sentra just one. now The Sentra now has that 5.6 This is the VQV8. Well. <laughs> so I like, there is one company though that makes an effort, kind of moving yep. on. Um, TRD makes, uh, sorry, Toyota makes a TRD Tundra, a Tundra TRD Sport. It's one. It's those words in some combination. So, the weird thing about this is, unlike unlike the Nissan, you do get big sway bars and Bilstein shocks, and oh, you already handling handling capabilities. Here. Yeah, well, asterisk, right? But you also get the big V8, the only V8, the 381 horsepower. So it's similar to the Nissan, but it's crew cab only. Um, you, you don't really get. You can't get a single cab version of it. Uh, which sucks. So it's probably going to be slower than the Nissan. Another thing that's kind of funny about this truck is it has it has a hood scoop on the hood, but on at the front of the, of the truck, scoop, right? above yeah. the grill, there's another hood scoop. Yeah. So it has dual stacked hood scoops, which I don't think you can find on any other pickup on the market. So kudos to Toyota for cornering that. And beyond that, like I don't know if those hood scoops are all at all functional. Can I also add the fact that when we talk sport uh, vehicles, some most of the time it's a two door, and that's why I prefer that Nissan. But this is like this is like the four door uh, sport vehicle, right? Like, yes, I guess yeah, almost is- all of these, almost every other truck that's considered sporty or fun or fast will have four doors it's as well. The Charger Hellcat truck. <laughs> yes, there you go. So, but you know, um, speaking of companies that you know, I said. Toyota with the TRD Sport is the only one that's making an effort. Chevy kind of made an effort, but not kind really. Kind of, yeah. Really. So uh, they made the Silverado RST. So the RST, it appeared a few years ago. You can get it on the Suburbans, the Tahos. And in the Silverado, it gives you the 6.2 liter V8, which is 420 horsepower. That's pretty good. 460 good engine. Torque. Yeah. Um, the problem is, uh, it, for the RST, you get another 15 horsepower and 9 pound-feet of torque if you want. There's something called the Performance Upgrade Package. So it's a different intake and exhaust. But the problem is the only way to get the RST is to select a crew cab and select a uh, four-wheel drive. You can't get it any other way. Mm. It comes with a 10-speed automatic. And if you look at the – it's so big and heavy and it has the tiniest box. Like I'm looking at a picture of (laughs) it now and it just – it honestly looks a little absurd. (laughs) (laughs) 22-inch wheels as well, which is completely unnecessary. Um, so this is, but this to me sounds like a truck that's more suited. Like this is not a this is not a function like a totally functional truck. This is not a, the, the sort of truck that you buy when you want to do a lot of trucking stuff. It's kind of like the person who wants to have a fast family vehicle in addition to a truck. I right? guess if you have a huge fuel budget, this is also the truck <laughs> yeah, you would pick. Yeah. I have to admit though, the six point two liter V eight is one of my favorite engines um, on the market right now. It is so good. Um, what GM has been able to do with that with that engine? It's but really you're right. good. I, it I, I probably should have put one in the Jeep. <laughs> Gen what 5. did you end up putting? What was the engine you you put in the Jeep again? Well, well, a, well it's a 5.3. It's a Gen 5. 4 LS. Yeah. Well, that's that's a topic for another day. But all right, let's head on over to the Blue Ovals division where you can get an F one fifty with man. You can get 
an F one fifty with a lot of different engines, right? Yeah, but the fastest one, um, mm-hmm. you can't... has got to be the V six. No, no, well, yeah, the V six. You mean the, the EcoBoost? The, the EcoBoost. Eco like you're like, yeah, it's the base V six. That's the one you want. Ah. So you can you can get a stripped down XL package with the four hundred horsepower V eight. So it's very similar. It's like 395 horsepower. It's very similar to the what, what Nissan offers. Yeah. Uh, but the cr- thing is, Ford makes an even crazier motor. That EcoBoost that you mentioned, 450 horsepower at 510 pound-feet of torque. They make an all-wheel drive system that you get with the limited version of the truck, I think it is. And it, the 0 to 60 on this truck, it's 5.1 seconds. Five seconds? Oh, my God. And that's, um... that's with four doors and, like, all the luxuries, that's faster than the original SVT Lightning. That's insane. It's totally insane. So it's like, which one do you get? Do you get the the regular cab, lightweight truck, or do you get the insane, like, $70,000 Platinum? Um, oh what, no, it's not even Platinum. It's just limited. Limited, right? Limited is like, is Limited the top trim or is Platinum? No. What about, think... where does Titanium fit in? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that's above that's above Limited. Are you concerned about this? I'm I'm moving on. Okay. So uh, uh, another yes. another 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 truck, Sammy. Another is there another stripped down truck out there? Yeah, man. The uh, Ram fifteen hundred, and they have this name for it. It's called the Tradesman, um, which is meant to signify that this is the most like base model. It's like it it is just for the simplest of uh, functions. You and know what another... else? Signi- you know what else signifies that? The black plastic bumper on the yeah, white the truck. unpainted bumper. <laughs> It goes with the unpainted grill, but at least the Ram badge in the middle is chrome. I don't know why yeah. that matters. But it, this um, is a, a vehicle with a 5.7 liter Hemi V8. It makes 395 horsepower, and it as well is a uh, is a small cab or regular cab. I'm not sure if it's a long box or a, did we figure that out? If it's I a think long it's a box. long box. But you know what else is interesting about this truck is it's the classic Ram. It's not the current gen. It's the oh, previous yeah. gen, and you could still buy that for a little while. I'm not sure how many are left on lots, but they were selling them side by side. It's a still, that's a sweet ride, man. It is. Uh, what's the last one on our list here? Well, the last one is, uh, we, the, the last truck we found was another TRD Sport. It's a Tacoma yeah. TRD Sport. Um, I don't sp- like this addition to spoiler, our list. Spoiler alert, it's not fun to drive at all. <laughs> exactly. It's on our list, though, because it has, it has a manual, Sammy. It has a manual, exactly. And that's one of the most important functions when talking about any sporty or engaging vehicle right now. It also has a hood scoop. Did you know that? It has a hood scoop, but only one, so I wasn't going to mention it. Exactly. It uses that 3.5 liter V6. It has uh, 278 horsepower. If I remember correctly, I think this has that D4S, which is a uh, port and direct injection. So it's a pretty advanced um, Does your BRC engine. have that? Yeah, my FRS, yes. <laughs> Um, um and this it is a joyless it's a joyless vehicle to drive. I mean it's it's oh, yeah. it's fine, mm-hmm. but it's not sporty. Like the word sport should just uh, it's if you, if you buy this truck, just take a, a hairdryer and remove the sport decal from the back and just keep TRD. So I want to talk about those older sport trucks though. So we know like um the Lightning, which is a a Ford, there was there was a follow-up to the Lightning a couple of years ago called the Tremor. Do you it remember? Was not, it was not a real follow-up. It was it just a, a real follow-up. It no. was a parts bin thing. Yeah. And you don't like it? You didn't like this? No. It felt like they, they put so much hype in that they're like, here's the EcoBoost engine. It wasn't it wasn't single cab, was it? It was. Okay, so single cab, EcoBoost engine, 
and that's it. Like, no suspension, no power updates. It was just, it was a parts bin thing. The SVT Lightning was a truck they actually developed. Like, it was something that they worked hard on and made special. Same with the Ram, um, the, the Viper truck. That thing was cool. Uh, and when the I mean, Tremor came out, it was like, okay, so I could have built this myself using the configurator, yeah. you know? But, I mean, now you really can't, like, as we mentioned, if you're going to get that uh, that really high output V6, believe it or not, you're you're missing almost 100 pound-feet of torque compared to this Tremor. That's how much the, the things have, that, that's how big the difference is. That's how, more, how much I more powerful the new engine is. I really like the V8 from Ford, the 5-liter V8 in the pickups. I think that's yeah, that like really an unsung drivetrain from them. And fuel mileage-wise, it's not that different in the mm-hmm. real world. So, anyway. What else do you want to talk about today? I, I was thinking we should also talk about some concept cars. Concept cars. That comes, I love that's, concept that's cars. That's kind of out of left field, Sammy. You want to explain that? No, I mean, I love concept cars. I think concept cars are some of the most, um, I mean, it's it's so cool to look at a concept car and imagine um, the future of an automaker. And sometimes they they make something and then they make a concept car and then they almost do like a, a complete tangent from whatever they were they were designing in the concept so you're saying we don't get the future that they promised us. Yeah, this happens actually a little bit more often than, than we know. Um, I think you have a list of this in, uh, on a, in, a, on an older, in an older article, but uh, let's try to go through some of the ones that uh, come up to mind. I will say right, up, right off the bat, there's a Nissan concept. It's called the IDX, and uh, this was introduced in 2013, and it was meant to look like a modern um, – 510? Datsun 510? Yeah, kind of like a pointier 510, if I remember. They even did, like, one that had a, a racing livery on it, I think. Yeah, like a Nismo version of it. Yeah, and and it was decently quick, too. It was 200 horsepower, four-cylinder. Uh, it was turbocharged, which means you could have tuned it and had some fun. And mm-hmm. I, I remember there being a lot of hype about this car, and then it just disappeared. Well, I remember I remember the, the news cycle getting really excited about it. And then I think every opportunity people had to ask Nissan executives about the fi- the IDX, they would the, the exec would say something like really like out of touch with the consumer base for this vehicle. They'd say something like, Oh yeah, if it did come to market it'd have like a CVT or something like that. <laughs> and that I think that immediately killed the buzz about it. And the it other, just like it, it was just like the worst like it was such a cock block you know what i mean like it's so awful if you think about it nissan has not released a performance car since they started talking about the idx is the when did the the nissan juke nismo happen that (sighs) and is that a performance car i i okay i'm gonna amend that statement they haven't released a new performance car (laughs) yeah the closest we got was that terrible sentra Oh my god! I don't even the, want to talk the about this. Yeah, no, don't even. Horrible don't even, car. Um, uh, yeah, and and this, I mean, I mean, horrible in the sense that it just let down its its image, its history, its legacy. It wasn't fun to drive whatsoever. Um, anyway, the IDX. And that's my follow up. I mean, that's like what Nissan did wrong when they were talking about the IDX. They said, "Oh yeah, it'll have a CVT. It'll be." Uh, an automatic only car, 188 horsepower in that in that uh, Nismo. <laughs> and I sedan. I feel like they are completely tone deaf. They're out of touch with what they like. People were hoping that 
uh, Nissan was, would have something that would take on the, the Genesis Coupe at the time or the Subaru BRZ or even something like uh, an affordable EcoBoost Mustang or something like that, right? Yeah, like, well, I think the fact that the the four-cylinder Mustang and Camaro were on the horizon were something that really kind of scared Nissan. They're like, maybe we don't want to play in this space anymore. You know, Maybe we're not going to be able to do the volume we need to justify a car like this. Because if you look at like the, the BRZ and the FRS, which are roughly the same horsepower, right? They don't yeah. do volume at all. No, they don't. So it's possible that Nissan just didn't feel like the market was worthy of participating in. They did do something very interesting instead. If you remember correctly, if I remember correctly, they recently dropped the base price of the 370Z. It's not to say that the 370Z is particularly a new sports car or they did anything to make it feel more modern. But the fact that they dropped the price of it to compete with those um, base level sports cars meant that they wanted to to play. I felt like they wanted to play in the space, but they didn't really have the... (laughs) You only ever drop the price oh. on a car because it's no longer competitive at its original price point, right? Like that's the only reason you do it. It's like when it's like when you're at a restaurant and they're like, "Try the fish," and you're like, "Okay, you got to get rid of some fish." I understand. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> All right, talk moving about on another concept car. Okay, well, I'd like to talk about the Cadillac El Mirage because I was at this unveiling in at, at Pebble Beach, uh, 2013 again. Hold on, um, is this your Clint Eastwood story? Yeah, this is my Clint Eastwood story. Oh, uh, dude, I love your it, was, it was that. It was that. So, if you want, do you want me to tell the Clint Eastwood story? Yeah, give me a cold note to the Clint Eastwood. Cold people haven't heard. We were at a house in what's the name of the town where he's the mayor? Mon- Monterey. Well, no, Monterey is the area, but I Carmel. Can, Carmel, that's right. And uh, we were at a house that was next to his house, and that's where Cadillac and GM were doing the big unveiling of the El Mirage. Very cool car, which we'll get to after we talk about Clint Eastwood, I guess. And uh, there was like a big media thing about it. I was hanging around in a hallway outside of the dinner dinner table room, dinner dining room, dinner table room. (laughs) (laughs) I usually, yeah, you know what? This is the coffee table room. And um, I I was texting somebody and I looked up and Clint Eastwood was standing like 10 feet from me talking to a chef. And Mm -hmm. I looked back down again uh, at my text to text the person saying, oh, Clint Eastwood is here. And I looked up again and he was gone. Like, yeah. just, like, gone. And he looked so old, man. Like, this is 2013. He was so old. I was really surprised. Um, my dad's a huge fan, so that's, this, is, this is why this is stuck out of my memory. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to somebody about it after, like, someone, one of the organizers, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's his thing. He likes to show up at events out of the blue and then disappear before anyone has talked to him, and no one knows how he comes and goes, but they assume he uses, like, service entries. How is that stuff. possible? I don't know. That's, like, his No one thing. knows. Yeah. <laughs> No one knows. So anyway, but he does. Back to the El Mirage. Okay, yes, El Mirage. So which is a it's a coupe, isn't it? Yeah, it was a huge coupe. It was gorgeous. They'd already had the Ciel. They'd already had the Escala. These were all different concepts that came out around the same time from GM that were really beautiful to look at. And when it happened, I thought that they were going to make a legitimate like six series fighter or an eight series fighter before you know there was no eight series at the time, but or an S class coupe fighter. Um, But instead. What we got was Cadillac focusing on the ATS and CTS. They were obsessed with taking market share from BMW and Audi at the entry level, compact entry level luxury. And uh, um, I think this is this. Yes, sir. No, I, I was waiting for you to to list it. I mean, this is it. Like to me, it it blew my mind. This was when Cadillac was really. Um, aiming at BMW and Mercedes and Audi. And we got this idea that, okay, maybe they can do it with this gorgeous car. It was, and you know what? The CL was really pretty, and a lot of people really liked the Escala as well. And it showed that Cadillac's design division 
seem to have um, the green light to make something really pretty until it came to making a production car, in which case we really didn't get anything particularly memorable. Is no, that right? We didn't get anything at all. Cadillac did no. not make a second uh, a giant coupe. They didn't even really make a flagship car. We, had, we got the CT6 eventually for like three years, and then they killed that. So uh, it's, it's just weird. It's very mm-hmm. weird. Uh, Cadillac walked away. We got the ELR in the same period, which is the only new coupe from Cadillac at that time. The ELR was $70,000. Uh, with a Volt drivetrain. It was a beautiful car to look at. It was very nice inside. It drove well, and it was $30,000 too expensive. And that's what killed... Um, I think that that helped kill the idea of a bespoke coupe from, from Cadillac, for sure. It certainly killed any kind of electrical version, electrified versions of Cadillacs. We haven't had anything like that since. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Just a, a whole bunch of fail happened there. It at, really what seemed is. like the most exciting time in Cadillac's history. And yeah, and they never followed through on any of it. I, I mean, maybe they got caught up in some sort of, you know, was it wasn't shortly it was it shortly after when they made the move to New York or whatever. Or? It was all around there, a whole bunch of like straying from the path. <laughs> yeah, and happened. nothing really, and nothing really came out for the, on the consumer end, right? No, they tried no. to make their brand seem bigger than it was, but there was nothing to 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 really showcase for it. All around disappointing. Can you talk to me about another vehicle? This is called the I'm not 100% familiar with 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 the history of this car. It's called the Pontiac Banshee XP883. So this is a car that it, it kind of similar to uh, what we just talked about companies losing the way um, at GM. So GM didn't make a sports car in the 60s. They had the Corvette, yes. But other than that, they didn't have anything that was really affordable. They had the Corvair but that was kind of like a mix between compact sportiness and affordableness. Uh, they didn't have anything that was like the Mustang, which came in uh, very basic versions, but also a V8 version. Anyway, they were kind of struggling in that area. And Pontiac wanted to be the sporty car, sporty division of, right. of General Motors. And so at the time, John DeLorean was, was working on a sports car project. The very same John DeLorean? Yes, that we the all very know? same John DeLorean. And uh, he created this car, well, he, he helped spearhead a team that created a car called the Banshee. And the Banshee, if you look at it, looks a lot like a Stingray. Yeah. And uh, specifically, it looks like a lot like the C3 version of the Corvette. So when they brought it out in the early to mid-60s, Chevrolet threw a huge fit. Because the car was lightweight, it was small, and it looked gorgeous. And all of these things together meant it was probably going to outperform the Corvette, and it was probably going to be sold for less money. Which and was the flagship vehicle of General Motors, Yeah, right? so they were like, no, this is not happening. They ended up taking DeLorean and putting his team on the Firebird, which was basically just a cloned version of the Camaro. Uh, but they did borrow a lot of the Banshee styling from the next generation Corvette. Bill Mitchell uh, was, in ch- was in charge of design at that time at General Motors. And uh, it's clear that he liked a lot of what he saw about the project. But it's really kind of an interesting what might have been from Pontiac. Yeah. Because if there had been two completely different um, completely different versions of a sports car available from GM, I mean, it's kind of what they tried to do in the 80s with Pontiac with the Fiero. Right. Where we got a totally different concept from the Corvette mid-engine, V6, four, or sort of four-cylinder. I think there was a V6 version too, eventually. But um, this would have been a, a six-cylinder and eight-cylinder version as well. It would have been kind of a range of sports cars in that sense being Mustang-like, but also being a two-seater being on the Corvette side of the fence. Mm-hmm. It, the, I mean, I just – GM, is this one of the issues of General Motors and having all of these different brands um, and, you know – giving them a hierarchy of sorts so that 
you know, Pontiac can't can't step on the toes of where Chevrolet sits, right? That is definitely a problem because not only I think you really hit the the nail on the head with the term hierarchy because you would end up with people competing with each other within the same company where one division wants to outdo the other and doesn't share technology and that from a modern perspective that seems really stupid but back then that was business as usual you know like mm-hmm. if the Pontiac guys could pull one over on the Chevy guys they felt good about that and right. all the way to bankruptcy right like that's it's kind of that attitude I mean there has to be a balance I mean competitiveness even within your own company will spur on innovation smart ideas and, and interesting products that will hopefully make it to the production phase but if it's just like, like I don't know. Just like how get... I always shoot down your innovative podcast ideas. <laughs> That's true. I really do think that a podcast with um, a set of balloons that uh, dictate the topic, I think that would be really important. Yeah, or here's another idea. Underwater podcast. We're not going to Under... do that, Sammy. <laughs> I liked my underwater podcast idea too. Where no we'd have one to... could understand you. Uh, but then we would have captions. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Let's talk about this BMW. It's called the C2. It's called the Nazca, the Nazca C2. Yes. And I really like talking about this car because, um, one, it reminds me of the BMW M1, which is a, um, a mid-engine BMW. It's a gorgeous car. But, two, this, this C2, this came out. It was a concept car that came out in the 1991 Tokyo Motor Show. And if you've, you know, Ben, you and I have both been to the Tokyo Motor Show. There are always crazy cars that show up to the Tokyo Motor Show. And they always feel like forbidden fruit. And I think the same goes for something like a a concept car that shows up. It just feels a little bit um, out of what my imagination could have pictured. It's a super wild car. It looks like it came out of a video game. Like, that's exactly what... And it had a a carbon fiber body and a mid-mounted V12 borrowed from the the, the 850. This is a 91 of all times, right? and, And it was... It's just crazy. There's no other word to describe it. I um I think this is really cool. I believe it was um it, I don't think it it came to fruition at all. Nothing close nope. to this happened. No, it was too expensive. Uh, <laughs> the the economy took a nosedive all over the world, but especially in Japan. And BMW they got burned really badly with the M1 back in like 1980. It was expensive. Mm-hmm. No one bought it, and they didn't really profit off of it. And BMW was a conservative company for a very long time. And as a result, they were just like, okay, we're not building a supercar. You know, they weren't like Mercedes, which would take a chance with like weird CLK, uh, DTM style coupes. They build like eight or nine or 20 of them or whatever. And they'd be fine with that. But BMW was like, no one's going to buy our like million dollar car, even though people later bought the McLaren um, F1 that had a BMW Mm -hmm. drivetrain. So who knows? But uh, it, it, it would be another 10 years before any kind of supercar came from BMW. And that was the Z8. I, I think this is ins- I think it's such a, a a strange thing because I've talked to designers um, and, and brand brand uh, employees of, of BMW who discuss their history and they always bring up the M1. They always talk about how important the M1 was. But if they didn't make a successor in the 19- in the nineties, like. Maybe it wasn't that important at all, and well, it's just in retrospect, right? It, it's definitely a, a subject to reevaluation, but also the economic realities were different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the 80s, BMW was trying to put itself on the map, and they managed to do that not partially with the M1. Yes, in Europe, sports car racing wasn't really a big deal in North America, but the it was the E30 3 Series that really did that for BMW, that really got them in driveways and got people talking and got people interested in the brand. And I think yeah. in the early 90s, they probably just did a bean counter evaluation. They were like, well, how much prestige is this, is this NASCAR really going to bring us? And then they made the decision based on that. 
I mean, and they also do showcase their um, ability, their engineering prowess on the racetrack as well. They really do try to win as many races as they can, and they've done so for a long period of time as well. So, I mean, I guess there's a balance in that regard as well. So, speaking of crazy cars, there's a car that actually predates the uh, Nazca by quite a few years, and that's the Dodge M4S concept, which M4S. has a which has a, a pretty interesting backstory. Um, it was built with PPG as a, in partnership to be a, a pace car at the Indianapolis 500, and it took the 2.2 liter t- uh, turbocharged four cylinder that Dodge had been working with and made it a twin turbo. And Give me I, a second here. PPG is a paint company, am I they wrong? Are a, they are a technology company, Sammy. Let's not. Oh, uh, okay. I'm let's sorry. not pigeonhole them. Um, but they made it. This is. We were saying that, that the BMW looked like it came from a video game. This looks like it came from a video game in the year 3000. Like, it's, yeah. it's totally wild. It has a long com- combat, like, ducktail kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. But. There's a lot it looks of like a car on a spy hunter or something. Yeah, it, it ended up in a look at the low headlights. It ended up in a movie, Sammy, an absolutely yeah. bizarre movie called The Wraith, which is about a guy who's a street racer who gets murdered, maybe, and then comes back sort of as the car, but he's also Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and so he can turn into Charlie Sheen whenever he wanted to. He's alternately Charlie Sheen or the car, and the car murders everyone at street races. Okay, it, was, yes. it was really strange. I recommend watching. Sense. I recommend watching it. Uh, it's worth watching because it's 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 absurd as a movie. <laughs> but um, this was like the mid '80s. Like uh, the car was developed, like starting in '83, and I, I can't remember when it went to Indy, but I want to say like '85 or something. But Chrysler had no money to build this thing. Like this thing is it's so cool, and they're still out there, but they never built any actual production models. Obviously, um, so it became this kind of weird outlier. It's like, well, we could have built this super fast supercar uh but we don't really have that clientele so we're not going to do it so i mean when we look at this though um the timing of it is so interesting is this before or during the mitsubishi the diamond star motors thing it would be before but the engines in the diamond star motors were not really linked to i mean maybe some of the turbocharger knowledge but that a lot of that came from mitsubishi okay so this is F, uh, or Dodge and Chrysler in Plymouth being like, this is what we can do. Here it is. Yeah, they, put, then, that, they put that engine in like vehicles like the Spirit and the Laser and stuff. I yeah. think the maybe the maybe not the Laser because that was another DSM, but like you know the um, that whole the series of like K car lookalike vehicles that came out at mid to late eighties had had the two point two the Dodge Aries that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, there, there's also the, the the Charger, the Shelby Charger that that, that was available as like a hatchback. So in terms of styling, I mean, you could say maybe that some of the DSM cars look a bit like the uh, four, M4S. Right. It's, 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 it's a really neat car, and um, it, Chrysler doesn't get any kind of, I guess, credit for building wild concepts in the 80s. That kind of became their 90s thing, but they were, they yeah. were ahead, of the, ahead of the game with this thing. Yeah, there was another car that they did like this. That It was the a recent one, the ME412, I think it was called. Is that wrong? ME412, I thought it was called. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Another car that was built, it was built in 2004, this bizarre car with four turbochargers and a 12-cylinder engine. When they go, yeah, when they go, when they go for it, man, they make some pretty neat concept cars. But did, did Charlie Sheen drive that car? No, it, well, was, it did not. It did not happen. Pass on that then. <laughs> I want to um, finish up the podcast by following up with some stories that we talked about last week. So 
We got um, a couple of messages from readers about some musician cards that we might have missed. Ben, can you go through those with me right now, please? Well, the, it was only one suggestion, but it's a good one, and we should have had it. It's uh, Victoria Beckham had a special edition Range Rover Evoque mm-hmm. back in, I want to say, the late 2000s, early early 2010s, something like that, 2012. Okay. Um, and it, it, following up on the she, she it had like rose gold highlights and luggage that matched and stuff. But, uh, like, a few years ago, the guy who designed the Evoke, Jerry McGovern, who's a nice gentleman, had the chance to to speak with him numerous times, he he spoke out against Beckham and claimed that she had, like, almost nothing to do with the car. Like, apparently at the launch in 2012, sorry, that's, that's when it came out, she said, I've designed a car that I want to drive and that I think my husband wants to drive. But the reality is she had no involvement with the design at all. Um, and McGovern actually said, I've forgotten more than that woman will ever know about designing. Holy cow. That, that's a hit, man. That's and a he, harsh thing to say. He confronted her after the launch and said, Victoria, what you said wasn't on the script about, you know, you designing the car. And she said, oh, I didn't realize what I was saying. And I guess it really pissed him off to the point where he held his tongue for five years and then eventually just, you know, said it out loud. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this design, this car that she quote unquote didn't design or whatever happened here. Range Rover has now included these kind of rose gold or copper highlights in their new cars, like especially the Velar. If you've ever, if you've seen some of the higher trim level Velars, you can see this kind of accenting, this metallic accents that look really good. So I don't know whose call that was. I'm probably the Range Rover designer, um, <laughs> but it, it has carried carried forward to today, and I think it's a really attractive um, addition to the brand. And it's kind of funny. I had thought that um, Jennifer Lopez had also designed a car. Right. Uh, but it turns out she was just in a whole bunch of ads for the Gucci edition of the 500E. Sorry, not the 500E, the Fiat 500. Uh, right. Many years ago. And what's funny about that is apparently Jennifer Lopez has never driven a car. Wow. <laughs> Uh, her 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 Good boyfriend geez. at the time, <laughs> Alex Rodriguez, bought her a Porsche 911 GT3, and like they they did like I guess a, a live reveal of that gift because that's something celebrities do apparently. And she exclaimed, "I've never had a car like this. I've never driven a car before." <laughs> and she looked visibly shocked. So um, I hope that I hope that she's driving now, uh, and I hope that Fiat knew that when they put her in those ads. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about, and this is in relationship to the um, Jeep Wrangler crash story that we talked about. Um, I think it was last week. Um, you you pointed out a Truck Trend article that uh, included the 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 Gladiator, and we well, had thought that it, it yes. wasn't me who pointed it out. I want to say it was friend of the show, Chad Kirshner. Oh, he sent that. Yes, he sent it over. So Chad thought, was thinking of us when he read this story, mainly because it was about the the truck trend uh, pickup truck of the year, and they had done some tests with the Gladiator Sport, and they weren't very impressed with the with the the way it handled in certain situations. Well, what they happened? Said, what, what, what remember, Sammy? We talked about we were wondering if the extra wheelbase of the Gladiator would be helpful would help. in the crash because what we talked about last week was the regular Wrangler four door. And the two-door. When, oh, sorry, no, it wasn't the two-door. Just Was it just the four-door? Just the four-door. Okay, well, whatever. When one of them hits hits the offset, the narrow offset um, crash. Small overlap. Small overlap, narrow <laughs> offset. <laughs> Low Earth orbit. Um, it flips over. Yes. Which is not good. And we no. were like, maybe if it had a longer wheelbase, we wouldn't die. Well, it turns <laughs> out, Sammy, is that true? Uh, it doesn't. I mean, I can't conclusively say that we are wrong, but... 
Uh, the truck trend people were noticing that the car feels really uh, unstable during an emergency lane change exercise. They said um, it allowed for too much oversteer when lifting the inside front wheel and it, and it lifts the, the inside front wheel completely off the ground. So And Chad witnessed uh, that, right? He said he told us that he had witnessed that happening during that testing. Jeez, that is awful. That is that's that's. Not what you expect out of a modern car. It's the only truck in six years of testing that Truck Trend has done for this con- for this award that has done that. Wow! They said legitimately endangered. That's how they felt, um, and that's that's pretty harsh words. I mean, you and I have both discussed the the handling capabilities of the Gladiator in the past, and we weren't really um, impressed. And you described it in the winter as being kind of um, I felt unsafe. Unsafe. So. I mean, that's just our that's just our uh, experience with the vehicles. We can't wait to hear what people think about it. And if you want to let us know what you think about it, Sammy, how can they get in touch with us? Well, first of all, they can go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you go there, there's a contact form. You fill that out, and it lands in our inbox, and we get to hear your opinion in its full, unfiltered uh, form. It's great. Uh, another way you can reach out to us is uh, on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And one last way you can get in touch with us is through email. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And if you want to listen to past episodes of the show, you can do that at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com as well. I think we're coming very close to 200 now, uh, so we might have to do a special show at some point in the future. Yay. But uh, all of our past episodes are there. You can also subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we have a whole bunch of links for you to do that on the site. Or you can mm-hmm. just go to you know Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Google Play, however all that stuff, but Spotify. We're on all of these services. Just search for us there, and you can follow us um, using your podcatcher. That's excellent. We can't wait to talk to you next week. So thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.